I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris. And I'm Kelsey. You're finally over COVID. Yeah, over COVID. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still coughing a little bit here and there, but it's whatever. Well, today I have quite a long story. So we're actually going over the legend of the black-eyed children. And then within that, I have like three different stories of encounters with the black-eyed children. I love black-eyed children. (laughs) Well, so some (laughs) sources claim that the Black Eyed Children uh, sightings go back as far as the 1980s, but the most widely accepted uh, story comes from 1996 from a reporter named Brian Bethel. He reported two different encounters, one that he said to have had himself and one that a friend of his had in Portland, Oregon. Nice. And the year before I was born. (laughs) Yes, and uh, one of the stories I'm going to share today actually comes from Portland, Oregon. So Brian Bethel is actually a reporter in Texas, um, and he shared the two stories on a ghost-related mailing list. And my first question when I saw that was, where are these ghost-related mailing lists? Because I need to be on one of those. me up. Yeah, exactly. I actually ended up finding the thread that he posted the stories to. Any sign-up links? (laughs) It was just like an email chain that I think just anybody could jump on. Brian went on to share his experience on a reality TV series called Monsters and Mysteries in America. And I feel like that sounds like a fun Saturday, checking out that show. (laughs) It sounds like something that would be on... The History Channel, maybe? Yeah, super <laughs> trashy, no. but also like, like a, completely inaccurate. Was there a paranormal channel or was I just making that up? Like, I feel like my dad would always watch these like ghost shows. <laughs> I mean, there definitely were a bunch of ghost shows. Like uh, me and my mom, we would watch. Um, what was that show called? It's really popular. Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. That yeah, one. we watched clips of that, too. But I don't know if there's like a full like channel dedicated to like paranormal experiences. Well, there should be. 
So Brian is actually a reporter for uh, Albaline Reporter News in Albaline, Texas. Um, and he actually also wrote a piece for them as well about his experience. And he claimed that it was 100% true. Uh, but there wasn't much else that I could really find on Brian and his life, and except for the fact that he's a senior reporter for Albanine Reporter News. That's really all I could find about him. So, this was Brian's experience. He said that he was actually going to pay his internet bill, and he pulled over in a parking lot by a theater, and while he was, like, writing the check, somebody knocked on his window and he said it was two kids. Uh, one was nine years old and one was 13 years old. And he said it very matter of factly, which is kind of funny because like, how do you really know looking at somebody Not exactly how like old they are? <laughs> a young teenager and then their tween companion. Yeah. And so he said that they were both wearing hooded sweatshirts and the older of the two is the one that knocked on the window asking to give them a ride to their mother's house so they can get money and come back and watch the movie Mortal Kombat. That's when Brian noticed that both of their eyes were completely blacked out. So this is kind of common for black-eyed children encounters. Um, you're usually in your car or you're in your home. They have black eyes. Um, they are said to not be able to enter your dwelling without permission. And often people who encounter black-eyed children say they describe an immense feeling of like dread and fear. So that's just kind of just barely like glancing over Brian's story because we're actually going to read a few stories of encounters with black eyed children. So because one of the two original stories is said to have happened in Portland, Oregon, and we live here, the first story I'm going to share with you does happen here in Portland. And then I'm going to share two other creepy encounters for you. So let's get into the first story. Man, I came across this news group by accident as I'm moving to Portland in a few months, and I was just doing a little general research about the city. I was stunned to read about the incidents with creepy black-eyed kids because I had a similar incident happen to me while visiting Portland in August of 2000. My girlfriend and I were staying at a hostel on Gleason Ave in northwest Portland. It's a very nice place in a hip and fun, if a little yuppie-ish section of town. Anyway, it was a Friday night, actually Saturday morning, April, my girlfriend, and I were socializing with another couple from England, sharing some laughs and playing some songs. I had my guitar with me. Well, at about 2.30am, we suddenly realized that there was no more beer left, and none of us really felt like calling it a night just yet. Well, April reminded me that I had bought a couple of bottles of Pinot Noir from a little place called the City Market earlier in the day but they were still in the trunk of the car. So she tossed me the keys and I ventured out to make the hike to where the car was parked. There's a sort of good luck finding a spot to park policy at the hostel. So we ended up parking in a spot off a side street about four blocks from the hostel. It's not really a bad area. Nightlife was still winding down, not too far away from the hostel. And I could hear the random noises of revelry off in the distance. But as I walked to the car, I found myself feeling very alone. As I turned down the street where the car was parked, a misty rain filled the air. Not really drops, but a kind of misty, directionless rain. The streetlights lit my path and reflected their dim glow in the wet pavement. As I reached the car and slid my keys into the trunk latch, I heard a voice call out. 
Hey, mister. Thinking I was alone and not having seen anyone as I was walking down the street, I was very startled, and I whirled around to be greeted by the face of an adolescent who gazed at me intently from just a few feet away. I was really unnerved, and by reflex, I jumped back and grabbed my chest and said something like, Jesus, man, you scared the shit out of me. The kid just kept looking at me undaunted. He appeared to be between the ages of 11 and 14, and he wore old jeans and a hooded sweatshirt. His hair was black and his skin was tan. He had a Mediterranean look about him. It was then that I noticed his eyes were all black. My first thought was that he was on LSD, because I know that can dilate your pupils and give you that type of appearance. But this kid didn't seem to be on a drug. He seemed very calm and confident. It was kind of unnerving to have a kid act like that. He said without looking away, I'm lost and scared. Do you think you could give me a ride to my mom's house? But this kid didn't look scared at all. Masked behind those youthful features was an expression of a wolf leering at me. I'm a fit 28-year-old man, and what I felt was real fear. He kept moving closer and closer to me. I quickly broke eye contact. It was difficult, though, because his eyes were so compelling. Deep pools of black. They looked ageless in contrast to that young face. They stared at me, reflecting the streetlights. It was like gazing up at a star sprint sky on a clear night. I backed off onto the curb and stammered, Oh no, really, I can't. I have to go. Sorry. I kept looking at the ground because I had a feeling that if I kept looking at his black eyes, I would become trapped like a fly in a spider's web. I heard him say, Oh, that's okay. Here come my friends. I quickly looked up past him down the road and I saw another young boy and a girl about a block further down in the middle of the street. I didn't have my glasses on and I have trouble seeing clearly that far, but I'll be damned if it didn't look like they were floating towards us a couple inches off the ground. I turned around to run and I heard a guttural growling behind me. I ran faster than I ever have in my life straight towards the hostel. I kept feeling like they were right there behind me, clawing at the back of my neck. I will never forget that feeling as long as I live. It was the closest I ever experienced to true terror. When the hostel was in sight, I finally looked back and found myself alone. I kept running though and didn't stop until I was again with my friends. They were all surprised to see me panting, bending over. They asked, what happened? Where's the wine? I collapsed on the floor and didn't speak until I regained my composure. Suddenly I felt ashamed that I ran from a group of kids. I never told them what happened. I told them that some thugs tried to start a fight. Obviously at that point, I no longer felt like socializing and I told my friends that I wanted to retire for the evening. So April and I went to our room. Despite the warmth, I insisted on shutting the window and closing the curtains. I didn't sleep a wink. I never told anyone what really happened until now. When I read that story, my blood ran cold and all my hair stood on end. I'm still moving there this fall. <laughs> you know, I was actually wondering, like, how do you have an encounter on a visit when we've been here for three years and we have not seen any black-eyed children? And I think it's because we don't go anywhere or do anything. <laughs> yeah. We don't touch enough grass. Yeah. We pretty much stay, we don't stay out in of any downtown hostels. as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the second story? Yes. Okay. So this one is called Midnight Caller. It almost felt like a dream, 
I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house noise. We'd only had her for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. Our roommate, a creek from the house settling, the awning moving outside in the breeze. I wasn't too concerned initially. I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it's what we did with our daughter when she got scared and I figured it should work with a puppy too. I opened the door and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one I had never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumped toward me, and when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerisms changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I'd been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. I'm 21 and she looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde and she wore it long, about mid-back, with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front that covered most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that's popular right now, and a thin-looking olive-colored pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl who looked to be around three or four in the same style jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her free arm and it was identical to the one my daughter has, as was their style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the bitter cold. Something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled, nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indication I was at the door. Then the older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. I stood there in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly and that's when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through her bangs before. They were black, or midnight blue, or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things as a staunch atheist and skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I had written off many a ghost stories from friends and family members eager to tell their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. 
Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door, Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took the second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again. May we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door, and I inched backwards, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. It wasn't a physical pulling so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered up the window, locked the door, and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more, and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night, and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that black-eyed kids can't just come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I'll be the exception. When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget about it. But this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread when the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock at the door, this tells me otherwise. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. No, that would be entirely earth-shattering for me like nothing would ever be the same like i couldn't live there number one but also like how would i live anywhere anyway knowing that that's real and that's a thing well okay so this has nothing to do with like black-eyed children but i had a creepy encounter where like i was laying in bed one night and i don't remember the exact time it was sometime between like midnight and 2 a.m and i i was home alone And I woke up to the doorbell ringing and I was like, I was laying there and I was like, what just woke me up? Was that the doorbell? And then ding, it dings again. And like, I had a pistol right there on the nightstand with me and I just laid there, not moving, just listening. Like I was creeped out. Like who was ringing my door in the middle of the night when I'm the only one home? Like I was so scared. I I didn't move a muscle. I was just listening to hear if somebody like tried to break in and I never heard anything else for the rest of the night. And I probably stayed there laying awake for another hour or two before I went back to sleep. But yeah, that scared the ever living shit out of me. Yeah. I remember the night that that happened. I wasn't there, but like, I remember you telling me about it and like, I feel like anytime we talk about this, like I get chills. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting the chills right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because <laughs> it was so scary. I knew what it was like to be in that house. It, it was kind of a big house just for you and a uh, little creepy, you know, mm-hmm. the vibes. Um, and it was like on the, the sound edge of the doorbell. Oh, yes. It was is so what's creepy. really getting it was to like, me. 
ding dong and it would like rattle it'd be like dong like it was such a loud doorbell and it was so long and like the person rang it twice uh, and it was ugh. i'm getting the chills again it was so creepy Oh, and yeah, I still had to live there because I was only living there for that summer and I still had to live there for like another three or four weeks after that. And it was so terrifying. And then there was another time um, where I switched to because not long after that, I switched to working night shifts. And so I was asleep during the day and the alarm for the house started going off. And that scared the shit out of me, too, because I thought maybe somebody noticed that, like, oh, there's almost never anybody here because I lived there. But I was basically only there when I was asleep and I had just switched to the night schedule. And so I thought maybe somebody was breaking into the house. And so that scared the shit out of me, too. So, like, I had the pistol. I was on the phone with, like, 911. And it turns out, like, really, it was just a thunderstorm rolling in and the pressure change caused the door to move just enough that it tripped the alarm. But that scared the shit out of me too. I got woke up twice in the middle of the night there, and it was just so scary both times. Or in the middle of my sleep, not necessarily the middle of the night, the middle of my night. <laughs> and it just scared the crap out of me. It will haunt me forever, just like wondering who was at the door and why. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been nothing. But like, no matter how I look at it, like it's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah. And there was, a, there was one other creepy thing that happened in that neighborhood. And I, uh, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I don't remember if this was the next morning or not. My memory tells me that it was, but that might be me just linking two things that weren't. So this may not be a hundred percent accurate, but I feel like it was the next morning. I got up to go for a run because I was running cross country and track. Um, and it was the summer before college. And I was like a walk on in college. And I go to like, go do my morning jog around the neighborhood. And as I'm running, a cop car goes by me and like this is on the edge of a bad town, but I've never seen a cop in this neighborhood. And then I keep running and then a second cop goes by me. No lights on, no sirens, nothing like that. And I was like, wow, that's weird. Two cops like in one day. And then I keep running and then a third one goes by me and then I round the corner and there's caution tape everywhere and there's a teenager hanging from a tree. In my mind, I linked those things that it was the night that my doorbell was rang and then the next morning was the day that that happened. But I don't remember for sure. That might just be my brain taking those two creepy encounters and like sticking them together so i don't remember for sure if it was like the sa- the next day but that's how i remember it and it's super creepy to think of it either that one way. of those things on its own is extremely traumatizing yeah like i can't imagine just like seeing somebody hanging from a tree and then being okay ever again yeah i just like turned right like instead of going past i just turned around and went back around the corner like i i did not linger on it by any means no. i was like nope right out of here oh my god that's so heartbreaking well that was pretty dark (laughs) do you want to yeah that was (laughs) i mean do you want to go into the third story our final story of the day um yeah let's do it all right let me preface this by saying i am by no means a writer just a domestic engineer living in north texas i also don't believe in the paranormal ghost demons aliens whatever However, I did have an event happen to me this Halloween, and I have to admit, it has me scratching my head. This is my first post on Reddit, and sorry to say, I'd never heard about it until yesterday. I told my best friend about the incident, and she's an avid reader of No Sleep, and she told me if I didn't post it, she would. So here I am. 
Anyway, I hope you like it. So it had been a slow trick-or-treat night in our neighborhood that evening, which is pretty odd in itself. We usually have kids from different areas dropped off in our neighborhood, and we have a constant parade at our door. That night, I'd say we had no more than 8 or 10 groups of kids come by the entire night. It was about 9.30 p.m., and my husband and I were sitting in our family room watching some of those ghost shows based on supposedly actual events. Like I said, I don't believe in that stuff, but I do like a good ghost story now and then, and it was Halloween after all. We hadn't had any activity in the door in over half an hour, and it was getting late, so we decided to turn the porch light off and let our dog Chloe out of the crate. Chloe is an American bulldog and is very docile. We only put her in her crate because we were afraid she'd try and get out and play with all the kids, and I didn't want to have to chase after her down the street. Also, we didn't want her to scare any of the kids because she would look a little intimidating to the youngsters. So I turned the outside light off, let Chloe out, and she followed me back to the couch and lay down at my feet. It was close to 10 p.m. when my husband decided he'd had enough fun for the night and was going to go upstairs, take a shower, and get ready for bed. After all, it was Thursday, and he still had to be up early the next day. My teenage son was out with his friends at a local haunted house and wasn't expected back for another hour or so. So that left me alone with Chloe on the couch. Now, just because I don't believe doesn't mean those shows don't freak me out a bit. And now that I was alone, I have to say watching had me on edge. It wasn't long after I heard the upstairs water for the shower turn on when there came a light knock, knock, knock at the front door. My initial reaction was, what the hell, really? It's almost 10 p.m., go home. But soon, an uneasy feeling came over me. Why the knock? Our doorbell glows in the dark, and without the porch light on, it would be extra obvious to anyone there. I paused. I couldn't really just ignore it. Our front door has a big beveled glass panel that anybody right at the door could see in enough to see someone was in the family room watching TV. It would be pretty rude for me to just sit there and not answer it. Knock, 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 again, from the door. I glanced down at Chloe. She was gone. My gaze followed her usual path to the front door, expecting her to be on her way there as she normally does. Nothing. She wasn't there. I stood up to look around the room better and found her crouching by the back door like she was wanting out. However, she never asks to go out like that. She always comes and licks my hand or puts her head on my knee. This was totally out of character for her, and I have to say, heightened my anxiety. Chloe, crate, I said. She just turned back to look at me, like, hell no, lady, I ain't moving. <laughs> I yelled up to my husband, but he was already in the shower. I knew there was no chance of him hearing me. Knock, knock, knock. About that time, a car drove down our street and cast just enough light on the door to where I could see the silhouettes of two small children through the glass. I instantly felt relief. It was just some kids, probably a couple of neighbors on their way back home, and wanted to stop by and show me their costumes or something. I headed to the door and looked back to make sure Chloe wasn't going to follow. What a great watchdog, I thought to myself, as she just sat there. I turned on the porch light when I got to the door, and sure enough, I could see through the glass that it was a couple of pretty small kids. A little late for such young ones, I thought. I began to wonder about what kind of parents would let their kids run the street that late at night. I only opened the door enough to where I could block Chloe's escape if she decided to grow some balls, which was only about two feet. 
What struck me immediately as odd was these kids weren't wearing any costumes. They were in normal street clothes. Also, no customary trick-or-treat either. I began to feel very uneasy again. It was a girl and a boy. The girl to my left was older. I'd say about 11 or 12. I could tell she was blonde, but I couldn't make out any distinct features as the lights are from high above and on columns at the front of the porch, so most of the light was coming from behind them. I had not opened the door wide enough for any light from inside to hit them directly. The boy was younger, about a foot shorter, I'd say. The boy was younger and about a foot shorter, I'd say eight or nine, and looked to have light brown hair. The girl very politely spoke up. Ma'am, can we please come inside and use your phone to call our mom? As she spoke, something in the pit of my stomach was telling me that something was wrong. What kid, even at that age, doesn't have a cell phone of their own these days? I couldn't remember the last time I had anybody ask to use my phone. Um, hun, don't you have a phone of your own you can call your mom on? I asked. This was when things got weird. Both kids looked at one another like they were going to say something to one another but neither of them ever spoke. They both turned back to me and the girl said, ma'am, my cell phone battery doesn't have any charge left in it. Can we please come inside and call our mother? We're alone out here and my brother is scared. I have to admit, there were two competing feelings going on inside me. The first, that of a mother's heart, wanted to help these two small children get to their mom. The other, a sinking fear in my gut that was keeping the other feeling at bay. It was then I noticed that during the short conversation, I'd already opened the door a few extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mother's number and I can call her myself? Another pause, and they again looked at one another. After a short moment, they turned back to me and the girl said, ma'am, my brother has to use your bathroom. Can we please come inside while you call our mom? And with that last statement, the little girl moved closer to the door like she was going to just walk in by me. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from inside the house and I got my first real look at her. Solid, jet black eyes. That's all I could see. The motherly instinct was gone and replaced by terror. I don't think I've ever felt in my life. I could feel every hair on my arms and the back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door to where just my face was able to stick out. The little girl stopped and again pleaded, Please ma'am, we're really scared and alone out here. We have to come inside. Please help us. Then, like on cue, both kids began to whimper and cry. That's when the fear took over and I shut and locked the door. I'll call your mom if you give me the number, I shouted through the door, but I'm not letting you in my house. I could still see them stand there on the porch, just staring at me through the beveled glass pane. Part of me wanted to run upstairs to my husband, but a bigger part of me didn't want to lose track of where they were. That would have freaked me out even more to not know. After what seemed like forever, but was probably only a few seconds, I decided I'd call my neighbor that lives across the street. As I made my way to the side table by our couch to my phone, I glanced at the back door. Chloe was nowhere to be found. We later found her in the guest room under the bed. When I got to my phone and started to look for his contact info, it was only then that the kids stepped away from the door and began to walk to the street. 
As they did, I walked to the door to get a better look to see where they went, still not calling my neighbor. If you get close enough to the glass, you can see out enough to make out people's shapes, but you can't see much detail. Of course, standing that close to the door makes you pretty obvious to anyone outside looking in. From the door, I could see that the kids were still standing under the street lamp nearest my house, staring at me. As I lifted my phone to my ear after calling, only then did the kids start walking down our street. I met my neighbor out under the lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be seen. Like I said, I don't believe in any of this stuff and had never even heard about black-eyed kids before talking to my friend. What I really think, what I have to think, is these kids were just out yanking people's chains on Halloween night. But I will say this for them. They were good. Really good at it. They scared the shit out of me and my dog. Scared the shit out of me, too. <laughs> and, like, I wasn't even that scared during the first two stories. To me, the scariest story was the second one. I don't know why, but something about the second story, like, just reading that one, my eyes, like, started watering because it was just, like, creepy to me. I don't... I feel oh, like yeah. the tone was really set for this one. Like, it was Halloween and she was watching the ghost shows mm -hmm. and, like, the shower turned on. So, like, she's by herself down there and then the knocks on the door. Like, I started shivering immediately. I, I think what gets me about the second one is that she never made her presence known and the children were still talking to her through the door. Like, that, I think that's what really creeped me out about the second one. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly don't, like, I personally don't believe in black-eyed children, but, like, even if it's, like, I don't really believe in the paranormal, but I have had that one creepy instance that happened to me on Halloween. Can I just say, like, that's the one thing that makes me question. I know. It didn't happen to me, but, like, this is what I, oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Guys, okay. Okay. Um, Story time. I just want to tell my perspective, like, Well, I should first. tell mine first, because... Mine kind of sets the tone because yours follows it up because it happened like what happened to me <laughs> happened first and I woke you up. So let's start with my perspective and then you can give yours. All right. So these are the <laughs> only things that like make me question like paranormal activity. OK, so this was the first Halloween after we got married. So we're living together. We have two dogs. I'm asleep and I'm laying on the bed and I like to sleep with my feet out from under the covers and usually hanging off the bed. So I'm laying there, I'm asleep on my stomach and I feel something come and like nussle my foot up. And I'm like, okay, so one of the dogs just walked right under my foot, no big deal. I go back to sleep, toss and turn throughout the night. Next thing you know, I'm laying on my side and I wake up to something scratching my back, like so hard, like it hurt. I bolted, I sat straight upright. And I was like, ow. And I looked over at Kelsey. I just jumped when you and <laughs> like looking around me. As I, <laughs> as I like bolted upright, I was like, did you scratch me? And then I looked over as I was saying the words and Kelsey was on her side facing the other way. We were literally sleeping back to back. There's no way she could have scratched me. And then that woke you up and scared the shit at out of you. At this point. What scarier thing could be said to me in the middle of the night by you than, did you just scratch me? I think there's someone in the house. That would be scary. I feel like I could have died of fear in that moment. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Well, just you, like, you were worked up too. Yeah. It wasn't like a sleepy, like, 
oh, did you just scratch me? It was like you bolted and you were like, did you just scratch me? Yeah. Like, like, and I, I was dead asleep and then it was just pain. Like I felt the searing pain and I like shot up. Like it literally felt like something touched me. I just wasn't used to hearing that kind of fear in your voice. Yeah. Well, at first it wasn't fear. Like at first it was like, what the fuck? Did you just scratch it? Like it was, it was like, I know, almost, it was almost like was, anger. Like it, you really believed that. I honestly thought you had scratched me just like accidentally. At first it was annoyance. Like, what the fuck? Did you just scratch me? And then I realized you were facing the other way. And that's when my tone just oh. melted away. Okay. So I at, am unwell currently. <laughs> so at, I'm not over it. So at that point, okay, I get up to go to the bathroom and I turn the light on and that's when I realize both dogs were actually in their crates with the crates closed. So whatever pushed my foot up earlier in the night was not our dogs, okay? And then I go to the bathroom and I lift my shirt up and I turn around and I have three claw marks at the bottom of my back. Okay, so that's that story. All right, let's fast forward. I have actual tears. Let's fast forward one year later to how our second Halloween being married. I come home from a long day of work, and Kelsey has to leave for work in about fifteen minutes. And we had like an office where I had like my gaming computer, and we had a futon, and we were just laying on the futon, just kind of chilling and talking. And the dogs were in there with us. And then uh, Kelsey has to leave for work. So she gets up and she leaves. And I'm just kind of laying there on my cell phone. And then my dog Luna runs out of the game room and just starts barking like crazy. And Luna's a wild dog. She'll bark at anybody on the street. If someone knocks on the door, she'll go crazy. So it wasn't a big deal. I thought maybe somebody was walking down the street and she saw them and was just going nuts, whatever. I don't know how she would have known to leave the living room at that time, though. That was kind of weird. So I'm just laying there, not really paying any attention to the fact that Luna's barking. And then I hear a woman's voice softly and quietly go, hush, Luna. <laughs> I literally bolted upright because I heard Kelsey's car pull out of the driveway. I knew she was gone. And I was like, who is in my house? And I heard no response and I called Luna back to me. My other dog, Teddy, the pit bull was still in there with me. And so then I walked through the house room by room, checking every square inch with my two dogs beside me. And I found nothing. And those were both on Halloween back to back years. Yep. And then and now it's been four. Nothing else. Four ever Halloweens have passed. The fifth Halloween is coming up and nothing strange has and happened since. Yeah. Like I said, nothing has ever directly happened to me. But just Chris bolting upright and being like, did you just scratch me? I feel like that was an experience. In and of itself. <laughs> like, that was enough to give me. You said that, like, I went back to sleep and you did not. I did not sleep for the rest <laughs> of the night. I don't know how you did, but I did not. And I was not happy about it. I really just wanted you <laughs> awake with me. So, <laughs> yeah, that was in college. And Chris was doing, like, track and cross country. He was a big deal. And, uh... <laughs> So, yeah, there were a couple times after that where he went out of town um, without me and I had to sleep there by myself. And I know ex I can remember those two nights perfectly well. There wasn't a lot of sleeping. OK, so the first time I actually didn't sleep at all. 
I didn't even go into the bedroom until the sun started coming up. I spent the entire night in the living room with the TV on. (laughs) And I remember doing some homework as well because, like, you know, got to make use of my time. And then, yeah, as soon as the sun started going up, that's when I finally went to bed. And the second time, I remember I did sleep in the bedroom by myself, but I had my headphones in and I had a comedy special going on repeat. And I remember falling asleep to it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Might have had my head under the covers, too. How could I cope after that? How could I just lay down, turn the lights off and go to sleep? I couldn't. Would you have? Yeah, you would have. I don't know. Like I was I was always creeped out and always had trouble sleeping at my Nana's house cuz she lived in like a trailer park that was just like surrounded by a bunch of crackheads. And so I was always scared about somebody like breaking in trying to rob the place. So like when I had to stay at her house, I had to sleep on the couch in the living room and I would pretty much do the same thing. I would just have the TV on like all night and then maybe at like 3 or 4 a.m. I would drift off for a couple hours, but like I don't know. I've never had to um, spend the night at home alone without you in the entire time we've been married. Because like when I was out on those cross country trips, I was in hotel rooms and then like we were always doubled up in hotel rooms. So I always had somebody else in the hotel room. No, I went to Affleck sales school once. Remember? Oh, yeah. Hmm. But we had roommates at that time. Yeah. So. But. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So when you actually went out of town for Affleck sales school. Well, on, that, on that, was, that was that was that was less creepy because, like you said, we did have roommates, yeah, so I wasn't there alone. And also, it was like it was one apartment that had four individual bedrooms that were rented out separately, and they all had like locked doors. So really, I just had our bedroom and our bathroom. So like, it wasn't really that large of a space, yeah, so it didn't it, feel it didn't as creepy. Feel, no, it wasn't like ha- like being alone in a house. No. Even if I, if even if like there was nobody living there with us, I feel like it just wouldn't have been as creepy. Yeah. And it was just a really large like community too. In our house though, that we lived in, where you heard the hush, Luna. Um, yeah, I never had to sleep there by myself, but I don't know if I could have done it. Yeah, that's the thing I didn't mention. Those two instances, they both happened on Halloween, but they happened at different spots. So the first one happened at an apartment we were living in on the college campus. And then the next year we were renting a house near the college campus. Um, So they were like two different locations, but both something weird happened to me. I always feel crazy telling those stories because I feel like the moment I say, oh, this happened on Halloween, like people are just like, oh, yeah, (laughs) like. Well, that's all I, credibility. But I like, think that's the weirdest thing because those those are the two weirdest things that have ever happened to me. Obviously, the first one was like way stranger. The second one, like it's weird, but it's not that weird. But the fact that those are the only two creepy things that have ever happened to me like that and they both happened on Halloween. Like that's just so weird to me. Maybe something's trying to communicate with me on Halloween, but not nothing's anymore. happened since then. So I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe just we wanted should to tell the dog to shut up. That's it. Well, maybe we should uh, wrap this one up. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did and you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and uh, be sure to share it with a friend. Yeah, and give us a follow if you want a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And as always, be Be careful careful out out there. there. Even when 
we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.